Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style and powerography would like to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners quartz and canary jewelry and wellness company use code empower 15 to receive 15 percent off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com quartz and canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style hello there brad walsh here your host of the empowerography podcast today my guest is mary kim farkas she is the co-founder of the keepsy also a transformational and empowerment speaker and a writer how are you doing this morning good morning brad i am doing amazing how are you i am awesome thank you so much for taking the time and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey i i'm really excited to jump in i appreciate you i appreciate you and i'm so honored and grateful to be on this platform with you and i support what you do empowering women in any way it's a beautiful thing thank you thank you so much so let's jump right in mary as i mentioned you are the co-founder of the keepsy you're also a mompreneur a transformational and empowerment speaker a writer MomLink Million Dollar Club Chapter President, a differently abled advocate, and a philanthropist, and certainly last but not least, a mother. That is a hell of a lot of hats and quite an extensive <laughs> resume you have there. How on earth do you find all the time for this? And how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization to you? It is a lot of hats. I kind of, you know, sum up like I'm just layers and onion, layers of things, right? <laughs> yeah. and we all are if we really look into our life and who we are and what we do. I wake up every day, Brad, first of all, in gratitude. And I set the day off. You know, I listen to gospel. It just helps my mind to get going. I make a priority list. And so that helps my prioritizing. Like what needs to get done today? Right. What deadline is today? You know, so that sets the day's precedent is that list first. And then I just add in the other things that have to get done, that I have to start thinking about, that I have to follow up with. And the beauty and gift, I think, about what has God has given me is, and I get a lot of controversy for this, but I don't need to sleep a ton of hours. Right. And that actually stemmed from growing up in a household. We had one bathroom. There were five kids getting ready for school to leave at the same time. And I decided one, because I didn't trust my siblings so much, you know, <laughs> you know, right? Or kids, yeah. right? And I was like, I don't think anyone's going to get up early. And it was my time. I got that one bathroom to myself for as long as I wanted for as early as I get up before I had to wake up the first sibling. And so that's back from high school. Right. So carry forward when I had my son, he had to eat every three hours for the first several months of his life throughout the night. And I say like, I've been training for this. So <laughs> a long <laughs> so distance runner. <laughs> exactly. And um, I think that helps me because I don't need, and I, I pay really close attention to my body. And when I need the extra rest, I go back to sleep. But in general, I get that extra time. I get that extra time for me in the morning. I plan out my day and I just juggle based on what's priority and what's due that day and take it from there. 
and I'd really try to stick to it. So that helps me. And I write everything down. I'm a big, like old school list person. <laughs> list person. And you talking like physically, digital. physically writing it or on the computer? No. Yeah. I can't do digital. I have to, I'm <laughs> so old, full school. old school. old school. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you. So Mary, how long have you been a transformational and empowerment speaker? Oh, I've been stepping out into that purpose since last summer, really going after that. But it's something that I knew, always knew that was within me. It started with telling my mom's story, my birth mom's story. Right. But I knew that that was part of what I wanted to do just to honor my mother. And then as life evolved, my story evolved, my experiences evolved. And it just was something I always wanted to feel that I wanted to build a community to share with others my story because I didn't have anyone else I felt I could tell to. The person that I was comfortable with telling was my piece of paper, my diary. And so it was real important for me to step out and because of all these different dynamics, I just never really went forward with it. But I had literally have boxes of writing in my garage waiting. So it started a long time ago, but I'm purposely living that now. Since last summer, I started to like just go out and just go for it. Yeah. So you fully stepped into it now. And so the inspiration, like you said, was a big part of that was your birth mother. And then of course your story. So, and I know you have one hell of a story. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal story? Sure. I will give the cliff note version. (laughs) (laughs) And at any aspect. So at the age of 12, I was waking up and I babysat the neighbor's kids before school. And as that day progressed, I uncovered or learned about that my mother gained wings and my dad gained handcuffs. And in that moment came ward of the state. And with that came a lot of changes. The beauty about that was what I learned from the adults during that time is that they just picked up and life went on. And I grew up in a culture where, you know, I don't remember ever being asked how I felt about things, about talking about my feelings. What are you thinking about X, Y, and Z? But what my parents and the guardians that we we moved in with taught us was like how to live. That no matter what adversity or what came into your life, we still have to live. We have to celebrate life. We have to eat, we have to go to school, we have to go to work, and life goes on. And that is how I learned how to live my life from that moment on is just, all right, we're going to have to just deal with this challenge and we're just going to deal with it, carry it with us and move forward and just keep going. And that served me well until it didn't serve me well when I got older. But I use it as a gift because at the age of 12, Brad, I knew how to take care of a household. Meaning we had chores we had to do. I learned how to cook Italian sauce for my birth grandmother. Like all these things that that my parents and my grandparents didn't teach me, I would not have known. And so I take all those lessons as the pluses. But so that's one aspect of the story. And with that, in my 20s, my brother woke up, basically, it seemed like overnight, woke up and had no longer use and power over his mind. And that stemmed from him uncovering his birth mother that morning, which we didn't know until years later that he uncovered her. And, you know, he's, he's medicated now and he's on a program, which is great, but it's 37 years, Brad. So it's been a long journey and people with mental disabilities, sometimes that comes with self-medicating and self-medicating can use different vices like alcohol or drugs. And my brother, you know, dabbed into the drug world and cocaine and all that stuff. And so it's been a long journey. And so that's how my story has been evolving outside of my own personal 
life choices that I made during my younger days <laughs> in my is, 20s and 30s. That yes. is a hell of a lot to deal with. I mean, 12 years old, You were you the oldest then of the siblings? No, I was the middle. My brother's a year older than me and my sister is three years younger than I. My sister was eight. I was 12. My brother was 13. So yeah. you basically had to step into a role where you were the woman of the house, so to speak, for a little while. And like you said, you, you took that you took on a lot of responsibility. And I mean, you lost both your parents. I, I can't even imagine at such a young age when we are so impressionable and we need our parents to have them gone. It's unfathomable at that age. It was challenging. And I was a middle child. And I didn't know what middle child syndrome was until I went through my healing process in my early 30s. But I was really like, if you looked up middle child syndrome, my face is plastered on there. I was a typical middle child syndrome child. My brother, you're older than me, talented Brad. Let me tell you, he was born with the God's gift of artistry. Yeah. Like at the age of five, he can draw comic book characters of his own, like detailed. Wow. And he was always smarter than me. He knows, I mean, he's still smarter than me, even with, you know, his diagnosis. He's still smarter than me. And my sister was three years younger. So she's always the cute one. You know, I really was like that middle child syndrome. And I was just so into like what I thought and wanting to be seen. And, you know, I did give my parents a a lot of hard time because I was always just trying to get noticed and I yeah. did all these things nothing terrible but like stupid stuff or attention know, grabber uh, yes attention grabbing and so I think that helped me through this process because I was so thick-headed yeah. and stubborn like I was like I'm not moving like I don't understand you yeah. know <laughs> and a lot in my head was like before we were literally my brother like dragged me out of the house that morning because we had to go to our grandparents house and right. my grandparents lived walking distance and no joke he literally dragged me out of the house and now I know why because yeah. he knew what was in the house right but all I could think about Brad was because the story was my mom left right you know, they had an argument and right. my mom left and I was just like how can my mom leave I'm going to be 13. I'm going to be a teenager. How am I going to survive without a mom to tell me what to do? And, and so that was, yeah. I was kind of resentful yeah. for a while about that. And I think that helped me get through that little phase there, you know, until we mm -hmm. really knew what was going on and stuff. So yeah, once, my story has changed. <laughs> once you found out though, how, what helped you? Like what coping mechanisms or who did you have to lean on for support to get you through that? When I look back, I'm 30. Oh, not 30. I'm 49. <laughs> 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 Moment of mental block. When I look back now, I don't remember. I'm not saying that they did it. I don't mm -hmm. remember anyone asking, how are you feeling? Are you okay? You know, no, I remember hearing a lot of stories. There was also this guidance counselor when we came back to school the first day and we grew up in a small, it was a small town. And so we were on the public newspaper of the big town oh, local big town man. like probably for at least a year brad front cover. <laughs> wild and the first day we went back to school one of the guidance counselors says oh and she shows me this newspaper in the yeah. front cover and i was like who does that to a kid i was thinking she's like oh i saw this on the paper how are you doing and i just looked at her and i said i'm fine and i walked away but i was so distraught that this adult was asking me yeah. and that's the only person I remember asking me so my safe haven even before I was 12 I loved getting those little diaries for my mm -hmm. birthday that had like the double lock and you know the little yeah. keys and stuff like that and I wrote in that book right and then as it evolved I wrote in journals and, and spiral notebooks and napkins and post-its and looking back 
I really believe that that's helped me stay quote unquote sane because I was able to trust it. I wasn't judged and I just got it out of my head and I still journal today. And it really just helps me to not stew in my head, but just get it out and process it. I think that was really 90% of my therapy was writing and I did seek professional help too when I got older, but right. it was really the writing for me. So did you stay with your, your birth grandparents then? We stayed with them for, I think it was maybe about a week, maybe mm-hmm. two, but we immediately went to our guardian oh. and I'm not sure how that process worked, but it was mm-hmm. legal. Mm-hmm. And we moved into, my parents were family friends with them. They were same background and ethnicity as my birth parents were. So there's a lot of similarities and they had kids. They had three kids, one baby that was just born. So we knew them. So we were excited. One, that we get to hang out with our friends, right? And two, (laughs) that, you know, we get to still stay with our siblings. We didn't really have a choice. We really literally had one day, maybe a couple hours, maybe it was more, but it felt like Mm. it was like an hour long, two large brown bags from the, you know, like the brown, brown old school brown grocery bag. And we had a certain amount of time to just go through whatever and and fill up those bags and that's it. And we never went back to our home. So did you have, did you continue to have a relationship with your grandparents? We did. And, you know, they soon passed a few years. We didn't see them very often and they passed, they were older and they passed a few years after that. Okay. Years after that. So how then, Mary, have these experiences helped shape the Mary you are today? both personally and professionally, do you think? It has given me, I want to say that the best gift was knowing that life is really precious and I can articulate it now. I didn't really articulate this in my twenties or, you know, early thirties, but seconds really matter. And memories and moments are the only things that we really can take with us and to just make the most of your day the best way that you can, but also gave me the strength of just, I have the power. As long as I have the mindset that I have the power to choose how I respond and how I live my life. And yeah, I think those are the couple greatest things that I've learned from that is that, you know, life goes on, you have to make the best of it. Moments really count because your life can change in a second because it's really just one second that can shift it completely positive or negative, but that, you know, I do have the power within me. And I, that came from, you know, the adults around me at that time, just picking up and life went on. And so like, I just kind of like leaned into that. And I still utilize that today, but with additional tools that I've learned along the way. But I can't even imagine having to lean into that or leaning into (laughs) that at such a young age. Like it's just, it boggles my mind that at such a young age, you had to step into those shoes. And I understand that, you know, you really had no choice. This is what you have to do. But I mean, did you have time to even grieve? You know, when, you know, when you're going through things, you don't really realize that you're actually doing these motions. And so I can articulate today because I've looked back and I've done the work. And the only thing I remember, and this, this is maybe a trigger warning or it could be, it Mm -hmm. is actually, I remember one conversation and I call him dad. So my guardian dad, he came to me one night and I'll remember after the event happened, people would come in and out of the house. We had obviously police from all walks of life, police, even the KBG from Korea came because my mom was Korean, came to our home. Wow. Yeah. So it was like a, it was a big, like, I say it was big, like literally we'd probably be famous now if it happened today. Like totally. Yeah. But it's a huge, huge thing in the community, in the military family. My dad was a veteran, all these things. So all these layers. And I remember one night, my dad, who was my birth dad, came and said, you know, he did ask how I was feeling. And I kind of like, I just shook my head, you know, and 
he's like, well, the good thing is, is that your mom didn't feel anything. She was out in one blow. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking like, and I'm watching TV. I think I was watching the thriller video, right? Because it was during that time. And I was just like, I just stood at the TV. I didn't even respond. And all I could think of in my head, because as a middle child person or possibly because who I am today and how I was built, but I always questioned adults. Like, and I was really like, I cannot believe he just said that. And yeah. I didn't respond. And I, but in my head, I was like, oh, these adults. Like, what the understand. fuck? Exactly. That's exactly what I was. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So. Yeah. You know, as parents, we don't come with these, these books, right? Right. How you should do X, Y, and Z. We do the best we can for what we know. And I questioned a lot. I still question today, but I know as an adult that, you know, they did what they were taught Mm -hmm. and they did the best they can. So I don't really put blame on it. I'm just like, I know I'm not. And I literally, Brad, when I grew up, I had a list of what I loved about what the adults did in my life and how it would make it different if I didn't like it. I right, literally had right. a list. But I think we just do. We survive. Yeah. Right? And we have we don't no know choice. We're there's, there's only two options, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So I just was surviving and just one day at a time without yeah. knowing I was doing that. So what is one piece of wisdom or advice you could impart unto anyone else out there who might be going through a similar situation or something to that effect or have gone through and are struggling through that? What is one piece of advice you could share? I want to say that no matter what adversities that you've gone through, no matter what someone may have said to you, didn't say to you, called you, belittled you, treated you. And I say this too, because I'm also a multi-abuse champion. I was abused as a child that it does not define you that do not allow them to determine who you are. Believe in your creator who created you has made you to be better. And look at sometimes at those adversities as things to help you learn something from it to strengthen you to give to somebody else. Excellent. Well, I have so much admiration for you, what you have been through and how you have come out the other side so much stronger and more resilient, I think is absolutely incredible. You are an inspiration truly as a human being, as a woman. I think it's phenomenal. Thank you. So let's shift gears here. You, as mentioned, you are the co-founder of the Keepsy. Can you share a little bit about that and what the Keepsy is, how you got involved in that business? Yes, of course. So Keepsy, actually my friend, I think we met when we were around 14, maybe a little younger. Her birthday is four days before mine. Yeah. So we're kind of like in sync. We used to call each other twins and stuff. (laughs) And (laughs) we didn't realize this, but we were both turning 40 and I was on, you know, on a pregnancy journey and she was on a pregnancy journey, which we both did not know that this was happening. When I found out that my son, the fetus that was growing inside me was about to be born with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. I knew that he would have to spend time in the NICU because he, he was being monitored with a heart defect and all these things. So I was being prepared before his birth. So my friend Jennifer, she was not prepared. She had an emergency C-section. So she was brought into the pregnancy as like, it was traumatizing. And as she was leaving the NICU, her daughter was already attached to the Wubbanub pacifier, which is a pacifier that is sewn onto a small stuffed animal. And the nurses, when, you know, leave the NICU or any hospital, they give you advice and, you know, you rely on them, especially if you're, if your child is medically compromised in some way that they are in the NICU for any length of time. And so 
the one thing that her nurse said to her was like, just try to keep your baby as safe, as clean as possible, keep the pacifier clean, whatever. And the silicone, if you know, is the base of this particular pacifier and silicone attracts everything to right. it everything so she basically on the hunt as trying to take care of her newborn baby and all this stuff to find a cover for it and could not find a cover and so along her way she developed and designed along with mattel toy brand designer to create a patented cover that covered the webinar and along with that we discovered that we cover over 20 three pacifiers now, including a, a bottle nipple. I co-founder is that once she designed it, patented everything, secured everything legally, she had a mom focus group and tested it out with them. And part of this group, she was ready now to like spread it out to the world. And she literally wrote on Facebook, listen, I'm looking for a sales and marketing, blah, blah, blah. If you know anybody, let me know. So I immediately called her because I, in the fashion industry, I've been in merchandising, marketing and sales for 20 something years. And I called her and I'm like, do you know, this is what I do. <laughs> and she's like, yes, she's like, yes, but I wasn't sure if you'd want to be part of it or whatever. I'm like, of course, it's like, send it to me. And if it works the way it works, I'm in. And so that's literally how it started. <laughs> and right now we're globally and the biggest portion of our Distribution is distribution markets in Canada, Taiwan, and the Middle Eastern, which also includes Dubai. And our biggest thing is that we do give back to the community. So with our Amazon link, we give back to the differently able community, a part of Brittany's Baskets of Hope. And she is a woman from Long Island who has Down syndrome. And she created her own business, sending baskets to parents who just birthed a baby with Down syndrome. So that's what we do. And that's how I got involved. And it's a great thing to be able to give back and I, to help moms and parents everywhere. I think that's incredible. And you're global too. That is yes. so phenomenal. Just amazing. Yes. You should be very proud. Thank you. We are. We are because, yeah, we're very proud. And, and we give back is what we love to do. You know, it's important for us to give back to our community yeah. and help others. So, uh, yeah, we're very amazing. proud. Thank you. <laughs> you have said that you have a gift of seeing the light. And that I, I think that's pretty obvious. You've demonstrated that through <laughs> telling your story and seeing the silver lining in every and any situation and that you firmly believe that tests become your testimony. I absolutely love that tests become your testimony. I think that's awesome and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a wonderful way to live and to look at things. Why do you believe so strongly in this? And why is this so personally important to you to have this mindset and to, and to share this, this way of thinking? with people I believe it because and I only really narrowed down as I mentioned earlier is in after my healing process to understand like where I'm at who I am and where I'm going and when I look back I guess I decided without knowing I decided as a young person to just find a way to survive and that was writing out on my journal and I always questioned the why I always had conversations with God that why 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 and deep down in me I knew like this could not be it this cannot be right you know and with that list I said earlier that I made with how adults act and reacted like whether I agreed with it or not and if I was a parent I wouldn't do this and, and I always questioned I always like was curious or suspicious and I think that's really kind of propelled me through that was like, this can't be it. Like, this is, cannot be how people live. 
But because I was in my own circle, I didn't know any better until I met other people and learned about their life and their responses when people said like, you did what? What happened to you? (laughs) And I was just like, oh, isn't this quote unquote normal? They're like, it's not normal, you know? And it just knew that it was something more and this couldn't be it. But also at the same token, like, did I have another choice? And I guess I did. And I didn't realize I was making the other choice of just be trying to get through it Mm -hmm. without knowing I was getting through it. Again, you're just such an inspiration with the strength and resilience. You are the epitome of strength and resilience, I think, with what you have been through and overcome. So kudos to you. I think it's amazing. Thank you. I have tears in my eyes. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. Now, you mentioned philanthropic work by giving back to the community. You are a philanthropist. Has philanthropic work always been part of who you are? And why is it so personally important to you to do this kind of work? It's so important to give back. And, you know, when you shared the questions, right, I was like, when did this start? And I've been doing this since I was a kid. And it started off when I was early teens, And I don't think the mail went to me. Maybe it was something that came in the house or in a magazine. But I used to buy stamps that helped promote or to give back to the veteran. And that was the first memory I have of when I was giving back. So I would buy my stamps and or buy cards like holiday cards to give back to veterans. And then it moved into children's hospitals where I would buy cards, you know, for the holidays and birthday cards or all occasion cards that kids in hospitals drew and so the portion of what I bought went to their organization and then it just continued to evolve and now I give back to the Down syndrome community and all the local and national organizations that help promote that my child and all children with Down syndrome and people with Down syndrome including differently able children because sometimes that some the community sometimes like to use that versus you know a disability because it doesn't have a negative connotation to it. I give back my time, my energy. I volunteer part of a board and just promoting it and showing that they are just as equal as you and I who are not diagnosed with a disability or something that's not quote unquote normal. And so that is where I'm leaning in most today, especially that I have a, a boy with Down syndrome. I think it's so important because there, even though no, today there are laws, we still have to continue to prove that our children are the same as anyone else and deserve the same respect and opportunity as the next person. Absolutely. I think it's beautiful. I mean, think of what an amazing place this world would be if everybody did things to give back and everybody did their their part no matter how big or small i mean exactly. really i think that's that's a huge part of why we're here is to give back what are they and giving back in any way, whether it's mm-hmm. just helping someone out that, that needs help or if someone needs some change or, or you know what I mean? Like anything yes. just to, just to be able to help lend that helping hand to someone who needs it. Or you could go to the other, you could go the other route where you're, you're working with charities and you're working to advocate for your children or whatever the case may be. But I think in the grand scheme of things, that's what we're here for is to give back and support one another. That's why we're here on this planet. Yes. I believe that our creator, you know, I think all the hate negativity is taught, but your creator, whoever that is, made you out of love to love. And I so agree with what you said that that is part of what we're supposed to do is to give back in any capacity, 
You can give back without having money. You can, you know, call a friend. You can be a support person. You can volunteer your time. You don't have to give back monetary, but there's so many things that we can do. But the key, Brad, is to give back to someone or give to someone without expecting yes. anything back. Yes. Without absolutely. wanting any recognition, without any wanting anything back. Because then that is genuine. You're doing it because from your heart, from your soul, because you want to give back to the world. I believe the more we give out, the we're gonna get it back tenfold. Absolutely. And this is how you. the world should be. Yes. My 100%, opinion. And yours. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I would love for you to talk to us a little bit about the Mom Link Million Dollar Mom Club. What's can you tell us what that's all about and how the opportunity came up for you to be the chapter president? Yes. So I'm super excited about becoming one of the founding MomLink Million Dollar Club president. And the MomLink was birthed and grew and is growing still on Clubhouse. And if you don't know what Clubhouse is, Clubhouse is an audio app. And if you haven't joined, I implore you to join. It's an amazing way to build a community around what you like, enjoy, and what you resonate with. So the mom link is all about Gina, Nicole, and Crystal are the founders of the club. They call themselves the GNC of the mom link. And it's basically, you know, dads are also allowed in. <laughs> to support. I, I actually, <laughs> I had Gina and Crystal and Nicole on the podcast. I didn't know oh, them a little while ago. Exciting. So it's all about collaboration over competition mm -hmm. it's all about growing together holding hands and building each other up together and you know if anyone knows you know I don't know what it is I've never subscribed to it at any aspect of my life in high school college or in the corporate office that you know women compete against one another yeah you know or feel like less than or if they feel like empowered because they put someone down like I don't understand it so the culture of the mom club is just collaboration over competition. <laughs> Sorry, kind of put the words together. And just, you know, holding hands. There's no reason why we have to compete. We should empower one another, like support one another. And so that is the premise of it. And I would go in and out of their rooms. I've been on their platform. And recently an opportunity came up where they were looking to expand and grow beyond, way beyond the clubhouse realm community and they sent out this note anyone wants to be, be considered as a chapter president you'll be responsible for x y and z blah 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 apply and i was like oh i would love to be because i love the mission i love what they do i'm so much about empowering other women especially our youth and just like we are in this together we can get through anything but let's support one another and i sent in my application and gina called me and they had a few questions and they said listen we'd like to offer you to be one of the founding chapter presidents if you'd like to you know join us and i'm honored and grateful to get to be part of this new movement but mostly that i get to like now take my vision and what I want to show out to the world, my little world is now <laughs> expanding. And yeah. so that I get to reach more women. And I'm so like excited about that because, you know, we shift the world and we change the world by showing what is possible in a positive, empowering way. I love it. That is amazing. So Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Mary, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Oh, I think twofold. One is, and I say this because I, you know, a couple of years ago when I was first writing my first book, which is launching sometime next month, that I was asked my friends that I've known for 20, 30, 40 years, what is it that I give you that's not tangible? 
or that you admire about me. And that's how I came up with kind of like what I give to others. And the main thing I received back was that I see them. I see something in them that they don't. And I listen to them and I can see beyond what their current situation is to help them get through to the other side. And that's where I came up with that I see hope in the hopeless, to see that little pinhole of light in the darkest days. So I think that it's given me a gift because I can see outside the realm of, like even in the workforce where there's a situation, like, and I give that to God, like God gave me that, but Mm -hmm. I'm able to see like outside of the the norm of how things were done, like where's the white space, you know? And my mind can expand to different opportunities and look at things differently. And I think that's helped me a lot that just to see things differently, you know, whether it's a business aspect or a personal aspect to think outside the box in a real way, not just saying it, but like think outside of the norm. Again, this is part of your giving back your philanthropic mm. work. I mean, really, that's what you're doing to, to give people hope through mm. that way you think of things and the way you you approach things. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's a wonderful skill set. I never thought of that way. Thank you. I so, like that. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of success, Mary, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Success on the base level for me is doing better today than you did yesterday. And some days it's that some days it's as simple as that and that is success and then success is also for me is do the things that are outside your comfort zone the extraordinary things the things that you can't even imagine that you're able to do believe in it they're there for you for a reason they were planted within you for a reason because they're yours and to lean into that as well and that's success That is powerful. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before learning it And what was your life like after you learned it? I know um, purpose. I spent the majority of my life continuing having conversations with God. Why? Hasn't it been enough? Haven't I proven myself? Why? Like, again, like, when is this going to stop? And for years, for years, for years, probably decades, because it was not until my early 30s where I was given the answer. And it was a weekend that I spent with one of my best friends. And she was going through a procedure that I went through. And she knew the cliff note version of my life. So she knew I went through this and, you know, she had great friends, great support system, but she could not share this with anyone because it's such a stigmatized scenario. And she asked me to be with her that weekend. And I did, I was there for the whole weekend just to make sure, just to be by her side and support her. And it was, you know, she was resting after the surgery and, you know, it was quiet and I was just sitting there, just, you know, sitting there, just supporting her and yeah. she was sleeping and it hit me. It like literally hit me like with the light bulb goes off in those cartoons. Like it was literally like, this is why. And I was like, I get it now, Lord, I get it. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is why. And in that moment I reflected back and I was like, and the light bulb was like, if I was not here with my friend, she didn't have anyone else to be with it. And me, I'm different. I big things like that. I guess I've learned I'm better now to be open to have other people there. But during that time, I was like, I don't need anyone else. I need to do this by myself. Yeah. But not everyone is me. Not everyone, you know, has their defense mechanisms up that I had at that time. And in that moment, I was like, this is why, because if I did not go through this and understand and know what it's like to be where she is, she would do this alone. And she didn't have that power within her at that moment to do that. And at that moment, I was like, that is why. And I had the time at, at that moment to look back on my life. And I sat there just thinking about 
What did I learn from this? What did I gain from that? What can I, what did I grow from that? And in that moment, I realized that my why or my purpose was taking these lessons, taking these, these things I've overcome and the tools and keep it in my pocket. Because if they're not for me, they were for me to give to someone else when they needed it. Mm. And it was that moment where I knew why. And I'm not saying that I don't question God. Still, mm. I do. But it's on a different level. Obviously, he knows me. He knows where my heart's coming from. But that's what I knew why. And I don't, I'm not distraught over it. I still question why. I still pray. But, you know, it's a different feeling than what it was before this light bulb moment. And again, speaking to giving back and helping, serving <laughs> others. I mean, really, that is what it is. It's. I think this also reinforces what we've been talking about is, This is our purpose here is to give back and support each other and help each other through this shit and without any expectations, just because that's what human beings are supposed to do for one another, period. I think it's beautiful. I think it's incredible. Thank you. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? I have to say it's from my friend I've known since I was eight years old. She's my oldest friend, not in age, but in time. And she has four kids. She had four kids before I had my son and her best advice. I'm not sure if it was before we knew Desi's diagnosis or after, but either case, she said, you're going to experience a love that I can't even put into words. You'll know it once your baby comes. She goes, and with that, all you need to know is to love your child, see them and love them so much that you're going to know what they need because they will tell you just tune in. Very powerful. And yeah, it's helped my motherhood life journey, especially now, you know, especially that, you know, my son, the boy with Down syndrome. So it's really added a layer to that. So yeah, yeah, that's the best advice I was given. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? Today, I'd say is my son. Before my son, it was my mother just trying to not live up, but to honor her by being the best woman I can be. But today it's really my son. He was made for me and I was made for him. And he has taught me more. I had him when I was 40. He has taught me more in his nine years of life, more than my 40 years before him. And so it's him. He is so confident in who he is. It's just mind boggling. And I love it. I absolutely love it. And so he inspires me because he's just him. He's always been him day one. And so, yeah, I just want to be him. I just want to be me all day long without caring. (laughs) (laughs) That is so beautiful. (laughs) We have so much we can learn from our children. And, you know, kids don't get enough credit. They're, they're, it's always... Oh, you know, they, they're just kids. They don't understand or they don't know. We don't give them enough credit for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a different lens they look at. And yes. sometimes if we tune in, we could see like, that's it. It's just yeah. a simple thing, right? It is. We tend to, as adults, I think, way overcomplicate things. Yeah. <laughs> My son said that the other day. He's like, I don't understand you adult. Why do you yeah. have more complications? Yeah, it's, it's true. It's simple. so true. So, so he true. agrees. <laughs> very, very wise boy. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, what would you say is one of your biggest failures or, or let's, let's use the words life lessons or teachable moments? And what did you learn from it? The biggest is don't allow anyone to take who you are away from you. Don't transform who you are to be loved by somebody else. 
and, and value and keep yourself whole by loving you first before you love someone else. Beautiful. I love it. It's true. I mean, everything, we are the foundation for all of it. Everything starts from within. And if you don't love yourself, you cannot give love to anybody else. True. And you also don't understand the value of it, right? Absolutely. That's a lesson I learned from uh, relationships. So that's what I would give to others to receive. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it and what would it say? I don't know where I'd put it, but it had to be the biggest highway that everyone sees. <laughs> okay. So what I would say is no matter who or what tried to destroy you or hold you back, always know that you are in control and you have the power to determine where your life will go and who you want to be. You have the power to choose you unapologetically to be everything and anything you want to be. So it's a big billboard. It is a big one. (laughs) (laughs) So it has to be in a big location. I don't know. It goes into everyone's dream, but that's what it has (laughs) a very important message and a beautiful message for sure. Thank you. Mary, what does the word empowerment mean to you? Owning your gifts, owning your talents, owning your worth unapologetically, no matter what room or space you're in. That is a beautiful meaning. Very powerful. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next okay. thing of questions just be one, two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Bold. If you could have one superhero superpower, what would that be? Love. Would you rather have more time or more money? Time. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Own your fingerprint. Oh, I like that. Own your Thank fingerprint. You. Very cool. <laughs> if you're writing your autobiography, what would the title be? Strap in your seatbelt. You're going for a ride. (laughs) (laughs) One hell of a ride. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Don't ask me unless you want the truth. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? Gotta Be by Desiree and Express Yourself by Madonna. I know that's two, but those are my (laughs) two theme songs. (laughs) (laughs) That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Okay. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? I'm grateful for the, I was going to say crap. You can swear. It's okay, Mary. I literally, my friend that I've known the longest, I say like, you know, I think one of my books would be, you can't make this shit up. So um, (laughs) I'm happy for all that shit. (laughs) She's my friend. I really am. It's made me more of who I'm supposed to be. I don't wish it on anyone, but I'm happy that I'm here today for it. Come out the other side and and stronger for it. Exactly. Yes. What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Being at peace. Yeah. I think being at peace for all aspects of choices I made that I, I look back now that aren't my best choices, but it's who I am today. So I'm grateful for them. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Mary, what is your why? My why is... I feel it. It's just part of who I am. And my why is is my is that little girl that didn't know she had a, a her. Take your time. It's okay. <laughs> my why is the yeah. I think it's the little girl that didn't know that she had it within her to to be whatever she wanted to be. Yeah. And that she's not alone. I, that's really just. I think it's just me sharing what I've learned through this life and spread it out to others because there's so many people still managing this life with things that I've dealt with and not that they should, but they, that I thought that they weren't experiencing it, but to know that they are, it's just heartbreaking. 
And they need to know that they can come out on the other side, complete. Just as you have, look at you now. I think it's again, it's incredible. Your resilience, your strength, your courage. You are such an incredibly inspirational human being, truly. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. (laughs) Thank you. I'm crying, but it's good. That's okay. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you so, so much. And I, you. Mary, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Hold on to yourself and who you are. Don't let anyone take it away, no matter at what cost. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech Mm. to the world, your corner of of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say or what words of wisdom would you impart? Mm. Forgiveness to others, but mostly yourself is your own blessing. And continue to live life in seconds, creating moments and memories, because that's all you could take with you. Beautiful. I love it. Mary, thank you so very much for, first of all, making and taking the time to be here. Secondly, for being so vulnerable and willing to share about your story and your journey. This has been such an incredibly beautiful and inspirational conversation. You are a bright, beautiful light and just keep doing you keep shining your bright, beautiful light onto the world and touching people in the way you are and doing the things that you're doing in the world. I think you're an incredible human being. And again, the strength, the courage, the resilience you have is just so inspiring. So just keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're a beautiful human and I appreciate you so very much. And I'm so grateful that our paths crossed and I'm honored and so happy to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you. Thank you, but Brad, I am so grateful to have crossed your path and I'm going to continue to watch your journey. And I'm so honored to know you and I support your movement and what you're doing in this world. You're changing and shifting it. And like, I give all praise to you for having this platform and empowering all the women that you have on your podcast, in your journey and the people who are listening, you're making a difference and a shift and so grateful for what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Mary Kim Farkas. She is a mompreneur, the co-founder of The Keepsy, a transformational and empowerment speaker and a writer. Thank you, Mary. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Blessings. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.